orchestra, a little country music, never heard anything, did it? And then uh, Jerry was fairly good on a few hot licks he had back there during one that they were singing. Jerry, you, you did good on that. Well, you've probably seen the Ancestry.com commercials and uh, then the DNA commercials that you can send in your DNA to find out who you are, where you came from, what your genetic makeup is, and so forth. Well, probably most of you are interested in that, in, in who you are, where you came from, and so forth. My son is very involved in that. He told me that our family came from Wales, and there is a mountain there that is called Hope Mountain. The people who lived east of Hope were called East Hope, East of Hope, East Hope, which became East Step. And uh, our first uh, relative came to this country in 16-something. He was named Richard. But we're all interested in who we are and where we came from. Today I want us to look at a couple you're probably not that familiar with, Amram and Jochebed. Now Amram was a Levite. The Bible says that he was the founder of the Amramites. That was a subdivision of Levi, and according to Scripture, there were about 2,000 males in that subdivision. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 6, verse number 20, and the length of Amram, Amram's life was 137. So he was a man who lived to be 137 years old. Then there was his wife, Jochebed. Her name means Jehovah is glorious or Jehovah is the great one. She also was from the tribe of Levi. She married Amram, who actually was her nephew. She had the children, you will recognize, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Now, from this couple, I want us to look at the story concerning this couple, these parents, because from them, at least, I am encouraged how to follow the Lord when times are tough or when it's not easy to follow the Lord. I know that there are times in your life when it's not that easy to follow the Lord. I know there are challenges in your life, situations in your life, when it is not that easy to follow God. So from this couple, I think that we can find some encouragement in following God during the difficult times. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 2. We'll begin reading their story in verse number 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, 
This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. As we look at the story, there are four questions I want us to consider today as we consider the larger question, how do I live for God when it's difficult? First question, what do you see? Now, what you see is determined by how you see. You see, we have two visions available to us. There is our physical vision and then there is our faith vision. Now, now we know that our physical vision deteriorates as time goes by. As I get older, I can't see as well. I think I told you the story about when I first moved here. I had just begun wearing glasses. I had never worn glasses until then. Because it was new to me, oftentimes I would forget them when I was going somewhere and, and uh, I just wasn't used to having them. I had been invited to speak down at Trinity and uh, so I went down there but I forgot my glasses. It's a little dark in Trinity, at least it was at that time, and so I began reading my text and I'm stumbling over the words. Thinking all the time I'm reading, now here I am with Episcopalians, I am reading and I'm stumbling over my words and I'm reading and thinking, these people already think Baptists can't read. <laughs> and I'm confirming it. You see, as we get older, our vision deteriorates. It is not reliable, not as reliable as it once was. For instance, Friday, I was going to wash my car. I have to give her a bath once a week or she gets very irritable. So I was going to wash my car and, and I pulled up my weather app and looked and Jim Gandy said there is 0% chance of it raining. I thought this is a good day to wash my car. So I got in my car and started driving to the car wash. And as I was driving to the car wash, there's water from somewhere that's getting on my windshield. And I think I know it's not reading, uh, not, not raining. I looked at my app again. It says, Jim Gandy says, 0% chance of rain. So I know it's not raining. I wash my car and then I start to dry it and it keeps getting wet. And I think to myself, I know it's not raining because Jim Gandy says there is 0% chance of it raining. And my vision is unreliable. As one gets older, our vision begins to deteriorate. You can't trust it as you once could. It is also limited. It is limited in scope. In fact, I can only see what is here. I can see you because you're here. I can't see that vast multitude who is here in spirit. 
Most of our congregation tells me, well, I'm there in spirit. I don't see you. <laughs> I cannot see those who are here in spirit. I can only see those who are here and those who are here now because I can't see the future and I can't see the past. I can't see yesterday and I can't see tomorrow. I can only see what is here now with my physical vision. That is not so with our faith vision because in faith, our vision grows stronger as time goes by and we walk with the Lord. I used to love to hear Margaret Garrett saying, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I know what she means by that or meant by that and most of you do as well. That as you walk with the Lord, you know him better, you see things better. Your relationship is a deeper relationship with him. Our vision of faith grows stronger as time goes by and it is not limited to what is here now. You see, my faith vision is not limited to what I can see right now. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it lists all those people of faith, those people who walked in faith and verse 13 says, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. Talking about the promises, the Bible says they did not receive them, all the promises that they were looking for, they did not receive, but they saw them. How did they see them? Through eyes of faith. They saw through eyes of faith. You, you see, with our faith vision, we can see beyond what is here. Now we can see through eyes of faith. That's what Moses' parents did. You look in verse number two, the Bible says, And the woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Now think about this. She, she had this baby, Moses. With her physical vision, she could see the baby. He had 10 fingers, had 10 toes, all of that. She could see the baby with her physical vision, but with her eyes of faith, she saw that he was special to God. With her eyes of faith, she saw that he was beautiful. And the word beautiful that is used there literally means good, special to God. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20, the scripture says, And it was at this time that Moses was born, and he was lovely in the sight of God. She saw him not only with her physical eyes, but also with her faith eyes. Matthew Henry wrote, God sometimes gives early earnest of his gifts and manifests himself betimes in those for whom and by whom he designs to do great things. They saw that he was beautiful with their eyes of faith. They saw that he was good, that he was special, significant to God. I remember before Eric was born, Linda was pregnant, and she told me, I had a dream last night. She said, I dreamed that I had a little boy who had dark hair and he was going to be a preacher. Now, how did she see that? She saw it through eyes of faith. Folks, 
you are limited in what you see, what you understand with your physical sight. But through eyes of faith, you can see things that you would not see otherwise. An angel came to Abraham and Sarah and told them that they were going to have a child. Through his eyes, his physical eyes, Abraham said, do you not notice how old I am? I'm a hundred years old and Sarah's no spring chicken. And you're telling us that we're going to have a child. Now with his physical sight, he could not imagine having a child at his age. But through his eyes of faith, they saw descendants being born to them. You see, folks, with our physical eyes, with our physical sight, it is deteriorating and it is limited. But with our eyes of faith, we can see things that we cannot see with our physical eyes. I watch some of our young marriage sometimes with their children. And I know that through your eyes, your physical eyes, sometimes they drive you nuts. You think, what am I going to do with this kid? But through your eyes of faith, you see them growing up, becoming Christians, serving the Lord. You see with your physical eyes, but you see with your spiritual eyes. This building was seen with eyes of faith before it was seen with physical eyes. What do you see? In life, what do you see? Do you see with your physical eyes or do you see with your eyes of faith? That's important. If you're going to be able to follow the Lord when it's difficult. Second question is what do you do? Because we respond according to what we see. Now then if we see life, if you see life through eyes of faith, then you develop a plan. And that, that's what Amram and Jochebed did. Now look at chapter 1 verse number 22. Here's the decree. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, Every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile. And every daughter you are to keep alive. Now that was the decree that came from Pharaoh concerning the Hebrew children. All the male children you are to cast into the Nile. Now verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a woman of Levi. And the woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Now like any parent, they wanted to protect their child. The decree was there from Pharaoh, but they wanted to protect their child. Therefore, they developed a plan as to how to protect that child. Did you notice that it says that they hid him for three months? Hid him... Have you ever tried to hide a baby? How do you hide a baby? I mean, when the baby's on an airplane, everybody knows. You think, there's a baby on this airplane. When you go to a restaurant, if there's a baby there, you end up knowing. Even in church. If there's a baby comes to church, you know. How do you hide a baby for three months? And yet that's what the Bible says. I don't know how they did it. But the scripture says that they developed a plan. They hid him for three months. Now then, if you are seeing things through eyes of faith, then you develop a plan to bring what you see to reality. 
If you see something through eyes of faith, you develop a plan that will bring it to reality, and then faith works the plan. You develop a plan, work the plan, because the Bible says faith without works is dead. So Moses' parents then saw Moses through eyes of faith. They developed a plan, and they worked the plan. What did they do? They protected him. They hid him for three months. They also provided for him. In fact, I think this part is sort of amusing. At least it is to me. They put Moses in the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter came by. He's crying. She sends a maid, picks him up. Decides that she's going to keep him as her own. Here's the thing. Now then she needs a nurse. She needs someone to take care of this baby. And so the sister came and said, would you like for me to get someone from the Hebrews to take care of this baby? Good idea. So she gets the child's mother. Look at verse number 9. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child, talking to Moses' mother, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. Now, The mother of Moses was brought to Pharaoh's daughter. She is going to be the nurse of her own child. And the government's going to pay for it. Isn't that great? Take this child, nurse this child, and I will give you your wages. So she nurses her own child and the government pays for it. As Christians, we see with our eyes of faith We develop a plan and we work for it. Now, some of you young people, you have a vision of getting married someday. You have a vision, I hope, of of a Christian marriage, that you want a Christian marriage. Marry someone who loves the Lord, who shares that with you. I'm going to take a little side note here because I think God gave this to me not long ago and I think that it's really important for young people. You marry based on attraction, but you stay married based on shared values. Okay? You are attracted to someone. This is how you end up getting married. You are attracted to someone. Now, maybe you are attracted to them because of the way they look. Maybe you are attracted to them because of their personality. Maybe you are attracted to them because they got some money. I don't know what it is. But there is something that attracts you to that person. But after you're married, that is not going to be satisfying. You live with someone because you share values. Let me encourage you, when you are considering marrying someone, check their values. Don't just go by what attracts you physically, financially, socially, any of those things. Don't just go by that because you are going to live with their values. So it is important that you marry someone who shares your values. Some of you have a vision of having Christian children someday. You're going to have to work at it. 
You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to do the things that produce that. So you have to work at it. You develop a plan. You work at it. You have to work at that. So if you're going to have Christian children, take them to church. Read the Bible to them. Pray for them. Do those things that are necessary for you to have Christian children. If you want your children to grow up to love the Lord, there's some work you're going to have to do. You develop a plan. You work the plan. I think we probably all have visions of growing into spiritual maturity. We want to be mature believers, but there's some work that you're going to have to do for that to happen. Folks, you're not going to become mature unless you feed the spiritual needs that you have, unless you spend time with the Lord, unless you spend time with His Word. So what do you do? If you're looking through eyes of faith, you develop a plan and then you work the plan. Thirdly, what do you believe? That's important because that will determine what you're willing to sacrifice. What do you believe? Because what you believe will determine what you're willing to sacrifice. Now, I look at Moses' parents. There was the edict that came from Pharaoh, take all the male children, put them in the Nile. They believed that Moses was special to God, and because of their belief, they were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to stand in opposition to Pharaoh because of what they believed. They were willing to endanger their own lives because of what they believed. They were willing to sacrifice. Well, if you see through the eyes of faith, if you see through the eyes of God, then you will have the courage necessary to sacrifice when called upon to sacrifice. Because there's always going to be opposition. Folks, let me tell you, if you live for God, if you're committed to the Lord, there is going to be opposition. I look at Elijah, the great prophet. Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a contest on Mount Carmel. And you know how the fire destroyed all of them and so forth. But then Jezebel threatened his life. She said, I am going to do to you what you did to my prophets. There's always going to be opposition. The disciples were constantly opposed by Rome and religion. They were told, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Don't talk anymore about Jesus. And Peter said, we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Folks, the truth is, if you're committed to the Lord, you're committed to the Word of God, there is going to be opposition. If you believe that life is sacred and you stand for that, there's going to be opposition. If you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, there's going to be opposition. If you believe that there are two genders, male and female, there is going to be opposition today. I saw a video last week about a girl in, in France who claimed to be a cat. She seemed serious, but she said that she was a cat, and she told why she was a cat, and she said that she suffered from species confusion. I can think of other animals, but that'll do, I guess. If you believe that salvation is only in Jesus Christ, there's going to be opposition. I read last week, maybe you read it as well, about a Catholic school in 
California that removed the statue of Jesus because they did not want to be offensive to other religions. Jesus has always been offensive to those who don't love him. And it isn't going to be any different. Our beliefs have historically led to death. Paul was executed because of his faith in Christ. Simon Peter, according to legend, was crucified upside down because of his commitment to Christ. And you are going to face opposition and possibly death as well. Linda and I were talking the other day and she said, uh, in the past I've heard that we might have to die for our faith and now I see it happening. Do you know there are more Christian martyrs in the world today than in all previous history? People dying for their faith. And with the opposition that is growing within our own land towards Christianity, I'm not sure where it's going to end. But true believers are willing to sacrifice because they continue to believe, whatever it costs. I love the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Many of you are familiar with its great story. And how he stood for the Lord in Nazi Germany and he was executed as a result of that. But as he faced death, he said, for me, this is the beginning of a new life, eternal life. And he died because of his faith. What do you believe? Because what you believe will determine what you're willing to sacrifice. Fourth question, what do you receive? Song says it will be worth it all when I see Jesus, and I believe that. I'm not telling you that I don't have struggles just like you do concerning these things, but I do believe that it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. What did Moses' parents receive? Well, they saw Moses as special to God. What did they do? They hid him. And they did so because of what they believed. And what did they receive? They received a deliverer for Israel. Let me ask you, what do you see? We see through eyes of faith as believers. That's what we're supposed to do. We see the world through eyes of faith. What do you do? You act on what you see. What do you believe? Because what you believe will determine what you're willing to sacrifice. What do you believe? And then what do we receive? Paul said in Ephesians 3, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church. What do you receive? I'm absolutely amazed. I have never thought, imagined, anticipated God's goodness, how good he's been. Let me conclude with this. Robert Kennedy said, some people see things as they are and ask why. I see things that never were and ask why not. Learn to see through the eyes of faith. And if you do, 
you will be faithful during times of difficulty and there will be times of difficulty. Our gracious Father in God, we come to you and ask, Lord, that you make us strong. Lord, that we see this world through eyes of faith, through the eyes of Christ, that we're willing to stand for you when it's difficult. Lord, I pray for those today who have never come to know Christ, that they will, for those who should make some commitment to you, that they would do so. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just a moment, we will stand. The choir will sing a hymn of invitation. If you're here without Christ and you're willing to commit your life to Him, I ask you to come today. Talk to one of the staff members. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you in our family. Stand with me, please. As they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.